The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello, welcome back to Everybody is Dead Day, the Red Dwarf Review podcast where we go through every single episode of the series in order. Myself, Phil Hawkins, long-term fan and the relative newbie, Adam Martin. Everybody. Hello, that's me. I like how you say relative newbie now. We've been doing this for so long. It's like <laughs> not the complete newbie anymore, but every episode is still a new experience, which is a joy. Yeah, well, I mean, we started recording these a year ago, so you are a year into... I'm a year in. I get my one-year badge. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, and sometimes we also have a guest reviewer on with us, and today... We have Dan Reed with us. Hello, Dan. Good evening, everybody. And if you uh, don't know who Dan is, he has, well, he has a couple of YouTube channels, but the one that is most relevant to this podcast is he is the uh, Red Dwarf Nerd. And then you've also got a second channel um, called Dr. Nerd. Is that right? Or DR Nerd? Yep. Uh, we were discussing that off air, weren't we? The, the uh, It started as DR Nerd, my initials, Dan Reed, and everyone said doctor so i had no choice <laughs> but to adopt that as well and that one's all about making guitars yeah basically so but the uh red dwarf one is the relevant one here so you've got you've got a red dwarf youtube channel you're you're quite because we have a mixture of people on the show we have hmm. people that have we've even had people that have never seen an episode before come on and review something with us and sometimes we have people that have been fans for 20 30 years so i'm guessing by the fact that you've got a youtube channel you're a long-term fan of red dwarf yeah, I mean, I it's one of those ones where Red Dwarf's always been there. Uh, growing up in the nineties, I'm you know I was born in eighty six, so kind of growing up through the nineties, it was just always there in the background. And oddly, uh, season eight that we're going to be talking about today is where I kind of first started watching week by week every episode. Okay, see, for me it was cause we're about the same age. I, I was born in eighty five, so um, for me it was series six. And then I had, so I had started watching it weekly in series six and then it ended on a cliffhanger and then there wasn't another episode for three years. And I was like, Where, where's the Red Dwarf God? I've only just gotten into this. Ah, uh, that's a cruelty. <laughs> yeah, but then I guess it's it, even worse for you because you started with series eight and then suddenly there's no new episodes for 10 years. Yeah, but it was kind of that period where everything was getting rerun and uh, everything was starting to get repeated. I mean, I think it was still... I think like UK Gold and the digital channels were still a long way off, but 1998 stuff was getting repeated a lot. So Red Dwarf was just kind of always there in the background, as it were. Yeah, I think I, I caught up with a lot of it on like pre-Series 6 stuff was watching on BBC Two repeats and things like that. And then when Red Dwarf Night was on and things like that. Yeah, I remember Red Dwarf Night uh, really distinctly. Yeah. yeah. So um, before we crack on with the episode, tell us a bit about your YouTube channel. When did that start and what kind of things do you do on there? So that started, what, uh, now you've asked me, uh, I think about 18 months, two years ago. Um, just it as, a, as you've already mentioned, I've got a larger channel doing guitars, but I just wanted something that was a real passion project that could be kind of... Uh, I've got friends who've described their channels as like their sandbox where they just get to play. And this was just my sandbox where I get to play around with one of my favourite TV shows. So on there, there's things like episode breakdowns, there's theory ideas, uh, there's a little variety of stuff, but it's all dedicated to Red Dwarf. Yeah, I love your theory videos, especially the one that, uh, the video that actually um, introduced me to your channel was your theory about Kachansky and why they're two different actresses. And they're very different personalities. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Uh, and there's a whole theory linking back to uh, the Inquisitor. Uh, is it the Inquisitor? Yeah, it was the Inquisitor, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Yes, it's been a while since I've made that one. I've forgotten yeah, myself. you've gotten your own theory. Um, so if you haven't seen that, check it out. I'll put a link in the description below on the YouTube version of this podcast. Uh, but today we're here to talk about Back in the Red Part 3, which is the, of course, the uh, ending of the trilogy of opening episodes for series eight, uh, the uh, blurb for it is Lister Kachansky, Crichton, Kat and Holly escape on board, on board Blue Midget and they begin their search for the nanobots. Rimmer discovers Lister Kachansky, Crichton, Kat and Holly are in an artificial reality program where they're being observed by Captain Hollister as part of their trial. Um, before we crack on with this episode, obviously we've just asked you to come in and review part three, but just, just very quickly... 
What are your general feelings about part one and two? This is an interesting one because I've got kind of positives and negatives on this episode. And one of my negatives is that a lot of the cool stuff was used up in part one and two. Oh, interesting. Mm. So you had some like cool fan service stuff like seeing Chen and Selby, uh, the Scutters, the bunk room. All that kind of cool fan service stuff is used up in part one and two. And there's kind of not that much that kind of, you know, no real fan service in part three today. Uh, but I do like part one and two bits and bobs. They're very different to the rest of Red Dwarf, though. Mm. Yeah, it's it's one of those um, it, it, it kind of carrying on from series seven a little bit where they went more bigger and more uh, sort of cinematic. Would that be the right term? Yeah. Although one of my favorite things that they did on this was um, they went back to filming in multi-camera in front of a live audience and ditched the single camera mm. thing. Yeah. Which I think gets back to the heart of Red Dwarf. It needs to be in front of an True. audience. And talking about getting back to the heart of Red Dwarf, we do start with one of those classic bunk scenes uh, in the prison, like, you know, back in the old days of series one and two and, and three and four before they they lost Red Dwarf. They had those bunk scenes. Got another one here. Um, so we've kind of like left off on the cliffhanger of last time and then skipped a bit of time. We, we do go back to it, but they start off, I think... I don't know, why, why do you guys think they did this rather than carrying on from directly from where the cliffhanger went off? Uh, my feeling is, and <laughs> I hate to be negative, they're filling time. <laughs> I hate to say that, but filling time is going to be a little bit of a theme of today's episode, I'm afraid. Um, because before we even get to the guys, the main story of the guys, I actually timed it seven minutes two before we actually get there. Uh-huh. So I think there's a lot of filling time. But on the positive... I think the bunk room is probably the strongest scene in the episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I love the chemistry of, you know, Lister Rimmer. Yeah, I guess it, like building on what you said, I guess it is a bit of a time filler, but I guess out of all the things you could do to fill the time, they they chose well by making it a, a Lister Rimmer scene with their dynamic and how they can they can lift it and make it interesting. Um I did think um and, and like the whole it, it it surprised me a bit because obviously in part one of uh, of this story we we are in this jail cell that they're in or what or this room whatever it is you know um, but then they don't do that for part two if memory serves Phil correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think we start off no there. I don't think so because I thought oh you know after part one I thought is this going to be a running thing are we you know are we always going to start here so the fact we're back it was a bit of a surprise. But um, I liked a lot of the I liked a lot of the comedy, but sort of like uh, what you were saying, Dan. I kind of wish we had just gotten to like the main meat and bones of the story, perhaps a little bit quicker mm. than we actually do. Even though the Listerima stuff, for the most part, is really good. It did have one of my funniest bit of jokes in the episode. It's, it, I don't think it quite takes my funniest moment, but it is up there. The whole Gideon Bible bit. What's the book? Gideon's Bible. He follows me everywhere, that bloke. <laughs> I was staying in a hotel once. He left his Bible behind there as well. <laughs> then two years later, another hotel. Those he get left it behind again. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That yeah. is one that I, I, I see it quoted all the time on Facebook groups and other things. Um, it's one of those uh, things that has gone into sort of become a meme in sort of Red Dwarf fan circles, I think, and one of the ones that gets requoted again and again. But uh, yeah, I really like, I, I did f- find myself chuckling to that bit. That was probably the funniest bit of this because there's there's sort of quite a lot of stages to this. Like you said, said Dan, it goes on for quite a while in a way. Um, yeah. And so that you got the bit about Rimmer getting beaten up by his psychologist and his priest. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> the, the bit about a whole shampooing, they, there's the nice bit of the ring where they shampoo rats and Lister wants a trouser press to make cheese toasties. I quite like that joke. That was a good joke as well, yeah. That was pretty good. (laughs) And then this bit. So it's kind of just like, it's broken into three different like sections of jokes. Um, I don't know if that, I mean, Adam, you always, you're you're one for saying sometimes scenes or jokes go on too long. Mm -hmm. Did you feel that with this one? What, do you mean the openings, this whole opening Did this whole opening, yeah, in general go Um, on too long for you? I didn't. Is it okay? I didn't think that as much. If if anything, the thing I thought perhaps might have been a little too long, in my opinion, is what happens next, you know, like the little visual recap we get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's because I am keeping in mind, though, obviously, when this first went out, these were coming out once a week, I believe, if that's right. So, you know, maybe if if you'd missed parts one and two, if you hadn't recorded it or if, you know, I, I get, you know, at the time, 
I'm sure having a full refresh of, of part one and two made sense. But I guess in the vein of what we're doing now, you know, we have easy access and we're watching them quite, you know, quickly after each other. I thought the, the recap perhaps, again, like you were saying, Dan, was perhaps maybe a bit of a time filler as opposed to actually getting back to what we're doing. Um, but yeah, the the actual opening scene, no, I didn't think too much it was too long. I, I Because again, the dynamic is so strong between the two leads. So that it, my mind wasn't wandering as much, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. I mean, I like, I really do. As I said, I like the opener. I think just be, because I love that dynamic of the two guys, I think it's brilliant. Uh, I think the jokes are great. The whole thing of Rimmer not knowing, uh, sorry, Lister not knowing that uh, a Gideon's Bible is left deliberately in places. Um, kind of took me back to anyone. I don't know if it's just me, but I thought of Marooned, where hmm. uh, it's actually Rimmer who doesn't know about Mayday being found. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Kind of made me think of that kind of you, you've missed something everybody knows kind of thing. Um, so, every, but it's fun because everybody else is in on the joke except the character. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we got that thing with the blindfold at the end, so that he can sit on the oh, toilet yeah. and privacy. Yes. Yeah. Which I only realised today because I watched just a few seconds of um, series one, episode two, which is Future Echoes, mm-hmm. where he ac- where uh, Lister accidentally says crap and the toilet turns around. Oh, okay. Oh. So they've always had a toilet in full view of each other in their living quarters. I only realised that that one today. Neat little continuity. This happens all the time. We we say on this show often that, you know, some of the the bigger parts of Red Dwarf continuity, if you like, that they set up, they're happy to just ignore that the next episode. But then, like, the the small, tiny, minute things, they're very good at, like, maintaining that throughout, really, aren't they? Yeah, there is a lot of sort of those running gags that they managed to get all the way through, Mm. yeah. Yeah. So this whole Captain Hollister narration catch-up, I think I do agree. It does seem, even for like 1990s, you know, you, you got it's had a week since the last episode, it does seem to be a bit excessive, like how much... Do you want the timings from the person who yeah, was sad on, enough then. to time it? <laughs> okay, so in in the second episode, it's 65 seconds. Okay. In this one, it's a flat three minutes. Oh, what? Is that how long it was? Oh, goodness. Yeah. Three... So that's more than 10% of the show. Wow. It's a 28-minute show. 28 and a half minute show. It's I mean, more that's got to be like, you said, that's got to be padding, hasn't it? That's got to be like, oh, this episode isn't well, long enough. We need some stuff to fill it. Let's just recap the previous episodes. Well, I haven't been able to confirm it, but according to like Wikipedia, it was only ever meant to be two episodes. Oh. And they've done, and it's got the same thing as with the Hobbit trilogy. It's, you know, that that was meant to be two films stretched into yes, three. Yeah. Um, and to use a Lord of the Rings quote, it's like butter spread over too much bread. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that does make a lot yeah. of sense. Do you think maybe it could have worked as a two-part and maybe if they'd been given like 45-minute run times, do you reckon? Yeah, I actually think that might have been stronger. Or we'll come, well, actually, no, we won't come to it because it was in the episode before. I think they actually solved some of the storylines too quickly. Mm. The main one being Crichton being reset. Yes. Mm. They solved that in like seconds, didn't they? We it was touched just, on that oh, last hang on. week. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, you're Lister. I remember you. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think we said that, like, yes, whilst obviously because Robert Llewellyn's brilliant, obviously it is funny in the way he does it. But I think, I can't remember if you did, Phil, but I know I definitely said I wasn't too satisfied with just how quickly that, you know, process of Crichton becoming himself again was achieved yeah. it would have been nice had mm. that even if it had only been for a few minutes just to have more of a process to it because it literally did just seem to be like a snap of the fingers oh right we're back to normal so i agree with you there dan absolutely yeah i mean i thought that one could be really cool to pull into the third episode mm. so that when they're doing their escape they're dragging along someone who doesn't want to come with them really yeah. but could have acted as like an outside observer mm. and been like I don't even know if I want to escape with you guys. You're all nuts. Yeah. You know, he could have been the straight yeah. man. And it would have been lovely to have some more time with uh, him doing the, uh, the the voice of the kind of posh but- English butler mm. mimicking the original Crichton, um, whose act's yeah. name now escapes me, but I should remember it. It's David Ross who did the David Green Green Ross, Grass. That's it. that's it. His impression of him was great in that. And uh, mm. I would have loved to have had some more time with that version of Crichton again. Mm. Again, I can't confirm it, but I did read somewhere that they actually wanted David Ross to come back in so that they could actually have him like reset into the Yeah, I read that too. And and the thing I read said that they were going to do that. And then they heard Robert's uh, version of that voice and they thought it was so good that they didn't go 
back to David Ross because of that. It's probably just cheaper not to build a second <laughs> that, that's true, yeah. so, Let's be honest. They can save Anything to yeah, save yeah. a bit of cash. So, um, so the, the one bit in this Captain Hollister narration I did like was that he, when he, where he admits to the having also blackmailed his way up the chain of command. And we find out that he's actually <laughs> yeah. Dennis the Donut Boy. I love that joke. I don't know why. Maybe it's his like downplayed delivery of it, but I just I thought that gag was really good. Actually, that was one of the highlights of that whole recap for me. Yeah, well, for me, I think it was the only interesting bit of the recap. I mean, the rest of it was just kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, get yeah. on with it. Yeah, start the episode, please. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very long recap. Although I think we we touched on this before we went on air. There's one word that I think is really important in there because he um he tells you stuff that's whilst the guys are in artificial reality and also from before mm. and he says yes he's talking about rimmer and says yesterday he was observed injecting his yes. groin observed could have been the subtle clue yes. that rimmer was also in yeah. artificial reality because yes. at this point you don't know absolutely yeah i mean again i must as as watching this for the first time, I I did miss that. I just thought, I think by that point as well, because like we said, the recap was going on for so long. I think like Phil, I was just like, yeah, I, you know, I know this happened. I saw it last week. Let's just, you know what I mean? But you you, you make a very interesting point. It is, could be that subtle clue. Yeah. Um, uh, don't worry, you're not the only one who missed it. I've uh, I've watched this for 20 odd years and that's the first time I saw it the other day and realised, observed. Ah. Yeah, once you, I suppose it's easy to spot once you know it's coming. <laughs> so you know the twist already. Yeah. The uh, the next bit we kind of get is, because uh, they're in VR, uh, they don't know it yet. So we're kind of seeing their escape attempts as they get into Blue Midget. Um, Cat has a little flirt with the flight controller. The um, Yes. And then um, he makes... The blue midget dance, and yes, yeah, I'm really this bit. I really want to know you two's opinion on it. <laughs> Be- no, no, seriously, yeah. Because I want to know if Phil. I want to know if your opinion is the same as mine, and Adam, if yours is what mine was the first time. Okay. I That's interesting. It. Well, so I, you guys just speak. I want to know um, your opinion on Phil. The dance. After you, as the as the season vet. Okay. Well, my opinion is a bit mixed because I like it overall in terms of I like the concept. I, I like a lot of the execution um, and I like the humor. The I thought the tap dancing element before the music kicked in went on too long. And because I was sitting there watching him tap dance, I was like, oh, that's lovely. But this would have been much better with some music. And I thought, oh, it's gone on too long now. The music's not going to kick in. And then the music did kick in. So I was kind of thinking, oh, that's a good. They, they should have got to the music quicker. But then I, I loved it. The CG, let's be honest, the CGI and the integration of Cat into the scene is very ropey. <laughs> but so visually, yeah. it's very it 1998. Is, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, I like it as a scene. I think it should have been shorter. Um, and obviously, if 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 it if they had access to better visual effects, that would have improved it. But I don't mind it. I quite like it. And as a, yeah. I'm a I'm a fan of musicals, so. Throwing a bit of singing and dancing, I'm I'm happy as well. See, I was I was mixed too, but I think for different reasons. Like I think overall, um, one thing. Well, we've both said as we've been doing this podcast is that throughout the series, out of the four regulars, not including Kachansky for this, um, Cat is always the one who doesn't get like you know like a standout moment in an episode, or aside from a few mm. one-liners where you know we've had episodes ded- fully like dedicated to Crichton or to Rimmer or to Lister. Or they have, you know, big things where their characters can develop and stuff. And Kat never, well, at this point anyway, I think we both felt hasn't really got that a lot compared to the others. So on one hand, I was like, it's lovely that now Kat has like, in a way, this standout moment, you know, because again, as Phil said, this does go on for quite some time. And I, it did it did amuse me and stuff like looking past the CGI. But then... But then where I'm mixed on it is it made me more sad that out of like, you know, here we are in series eight, you're finally giving Kat like some substantial time primarily like on his own to lead it and and this is all you've decided to come up with if that makes sense because i think the cat as a character there's so much potential you Mm. could do with him like leading the scene or you know like maybe he could have like got out of blue midget and tried to like you know i don't know what it would have been like convince or seduce the flight controller you know in person like gone up to the cop um the control deck or something do you know what i mean i just thought there was numerous other things that could have been done except for this and it just makes me think they just mainly did it, not as a cat moment, but to, oh, look, at, let's show off the CGI we can do in 1998. Do you know what I mean? So it's almost, yeah, 
more of a it's like it's almost more of a Danny John Jules moment than it is a cat yeah moment. yeah and I wonder how I mean I don't know how much influence Danny or any of the cast at this point like would have had on you know like scripts or or what they did and I mean he is very good at it don't get me wrong but yeah I just I kind of wish it had just been something else for the cat if that makes sense so yeah interesting yeah. So go on then what what See, what's your opinion Dan and how has it changed since your first viewing my view was the first time you watch it it's it's great but now i fast forward it to get to the story okay if you sort of follow me because it's it's what's it adding to the story sitting there for a couple of minutes watching him dance around yeah i think like you say it is more of like it feels more like an actor's moment Mm. then rather than like a character moment as well it's like look danny john jules can tap dance and tap dance very well he can absolutely not disputing that but yeah in terms of like what does this add to what's going on Yeah. yeah it it's uh, it does go on too long i think that's its biggest problem i think if it was a, like half the length and the music kicked in quickly i think it would have been a lot better and probably less less likely to make people want to fast forward through it yeah i mean i think mm. i like the ending more where he's sat there with you know a big cigar and he's really cool and he gets the date yes that's yeah. that, you know, that's a cool part i like the ending uh it just it, maybe if he was dancing with another character yeah. Or, actually, another yeah. note I made was this could have been iconic if it had a tongue-tied style song with it. Oh, oh yes. God, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or we're, another we're big tongue-tied fans. You know, another Rimmer <laughs> song or whatever. But if it had a song with it, it could have been iconic. Yeah. 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 It's a shame because yeah. I don't think there is another song in this series. Is there? Um, you know, so we do miss those songs. I do like mm. them. So as well as the cat. Uh, dancing his way around them. Um, Holly is with them on the blue midget, which is nice because last episode he seemed to be AWOL. Uh, like they, I think he got, he got one, one line, line and you didn't screen. see his face last episode. <laughs> yeah. Is that, that because was a shame. I'm trying to remember uh, the second episode? Is that because Rimmer's gone off with the watch in that episode? I guess it must be. Um, and yeah. I think Rimmer talks to him, but it's just like, it just. Should seem such a shame that you'd only just got him back, and uh, and then they do a whole episode where he doesn't even, well, he gets one line and you don't even see him. But he's in this yeah. episode hmm. uh, several times, quite prominently. So I'm happy with his inclusion in this episode because Norman Lovett is always a joy to see. Um, Absolutely, and he has a nice joke about his head looking like a moon and stuff. So that's all good. Um, they realise yeah. they're in. This is when they realise they're in AR, and. Cat realizes because he's flirted with this with this person up in the um, flight control and arranged a date, but this he realizes this means he doesn't have a date. And I I cringed a little bit when he said this. Uh, that means he has to send another Valentine's card to his hand. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Uh, mm. Yeah. Uh. Just, just sort of skirting <laughs> with bad taste, aren't they? Skirting around it. Yeah, yeah I, it can definitely yeah. get away with it, but it, it did make me cringe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. and then if you thought the um the dancing scene was surreal, next they turn into plasticine. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, we've actually... can, can I just say before we get to that? So um, when I think it's just before the plasticine bit, um, it's where Rimmer again still in AR is like thinks he's removing events and as he's do you know to try and absolve himself from the situation, and when he's doing that. Um, obviously for the others it results in like you know the camera just straight cuts so like you know they jump their dialogue or they move positions and stuff and i just think the straight cut made for really good like comedic timing yes like it's such it's such a simple obviously camera trick to do you know you just cut the camera off early but i've i was laughing quite a lot in that scene as they just kept like cutting and moving around and yeah just want to say i quite like yeah they cut off his with a blunt knife is probably one of my favorite lines in it (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah yeah because it, yeah i mean yeah. it's just you everybody knows what he said everybody knows absolutely but he doesn't need to say it and it yeah it works really well that part yeah um there was actually that interesting bit before where rimmer is trying to blackmail his way into the room with one of the guards oh yes oh, he's yes. using all the yeah, secret yeah. information and it kind of this is the sort of thing that would end up in one of my theory videos for about two hours um but he's <sighs> using uh personal information that you know because dave gave him the disc in the first episode has he memorized that from before he went in ar or is the ar machine feeding him you know this information which would mean the ar machine is giving out personal information or is it just feeding him nonsense that would work 
because it's not a real version of that guard. It just kind of throws up little thoughts like that. Interesting mm. question. It's the kind of thing I would spend hours. Let us let on. us know what you think, <laughs> listeners, in the comments yes, below. Yes, put them YouTube. in the comments, <laughs> and then maybe maybe Dan can make a theory video about it. Oh, that would be a long one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the plasticine stop motion world that they go, the screensaver, as they call it. Uh, <laughs> like that. What did you think about this bit? Mixed again. It's very 90s because I think there was a lot of stop motion in the 90s. Uh, oh, I remember, yes. do you remember Pingu? Uh, uh, yeah, Pingu. That yeah, was oh God, really yeah. popular. Adults yeah. like that. Um, I think you had the first few of the Wallace and Gromits. I think we're, we're, we're pre tricket Chicken Run. I think that was a couple of years later or so. I don't know if we are. I'm sure mm. Chicken Run was 90s. Maybe it was. Maybe I'm uh, remembering wrong. Yeah. But the, close. It's close, I think. Yeah. But um, I think it really identifies it as a 90s thing. I, I did. I kind of. My thought is actually does it add anything to the episode? Maybe yeah, it's a kind of really weird side, like, oh, we just want to be wacky and do this thing that we can do. So we all just want to show off some, yeah. some skills that we've I, got or, you know. I guess it lends to what you were saying at the start, Dan. How this was originally meant to be two parts, and now that they've now that they've got a part three, it's like right. Well, we need to the actual story. We need to make last as long as possible. So, what can mm. we do to fill some screen time? I mean, I, I it was a nice. I'm I'm a big stop motion fan in general, so it was it was nice to see. But the way I likened it to, I know obviously they're on a, a BBC budget, so it's not going to be to the same level as stuff like, you know, Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run and all that. The the style kind of reminded me of, um, have you ever seen, I think these are from the 80s, but uh, I, 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 well, one of my things to do sometimes, I like watching old commercials mm. from back then. <laughs> Are you and talking about in the, the 80s, gas ones? Or... No, no, no the, I think these are from America. I don't know if they ever made their way over here, but um, the California Raisins, um, a brand of raisins over there, um, they did like a stop motion, you know, where they animated their characters as different uh, pop culture celeb, like celebrities, movie stars, etc. And it's it's obviously very like low budget stop motion and plasticine, and it kind of gave me that vibe. I'm not in a derogatory way, but just it's like you know, here's Red Dwarf doing plasticine on the cheap, and I think because of the fact it is Red Dwarf and it's very tongue in cheek anyway, it does get away with being, do you know what I mean? Like very minimal. I don't think the fact it's quite basic stop motion is necessarily a bad thing for it this. It made me think of Trapdoor. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, Trapdoor. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, I used to The love thing that, it made but... me think of initially was, uh, have you ever seen the Michael Jackson movie, Moonwalker? Oh, God. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a music that, video there? section before the main plot starts. There is, like, a rabbit made out of stop motion clay that, yes. yeah, that, it just made me think of that. That was the kind of... yeah. God, what a film. <laughs> all, all of these stop motion <laughs> memories. I mean, it's not something I disliked. Yes. And the fact that it's now triggered a long conversation of us reminiscing about our favourite stop motion. <laughs> maybe yes. it is a really good scene. I'm not saying I dislike it. It's just, does it add anything to the episode? No, absolutely. Yeah, it runs in with the other, I think some of the other bits we've mentioned where like, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not It's not serving the this story that we're, we're invested in, I suppose. I think maybe I'm disappointed with it because I think... The way I remember back, it's in the titles, I think. Is it in the title sequence? I'm uh, blank on that ooh, one. There might be like a... But ooh, I think I'm to the adverts, now. they heavily kept showing this bit of claymation, claymotion, whatever you call it. Mm. Um, like it was going to be a really big integral thing and be something really massive. And it's what? About 45 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I yeah. appreciate. It's probably about seven months work for somebody. But still. So they get out of the AR, or they think they get out of the AR, and uh, then uh, they, they see Rimmer adjusting the, the AR um, recording, and they're not happy with him. Um, no. and what's your thoughts of this new this new Rimmer, um, as, as opposed to the Rimmer that we got seven series of character development for before? Do you think they're... They do a good job of playing up the differences between how Rimmer was before he left to become Ace and this Rimmer. Um, no, if I'm really honest, I don't feel a big difference. Um, other than I don't feel like the season seven Rimmer would have betrayed them. Mm. Uh, mm. I think that actually, yeah. you know, you see that with like the hug, the hug between Lister and Rimmer when he's going off, he accidentally pushes the ejector seat or something. And, uh, 
they they hug as he's going off to become ace and you just think he wouldn't betray them in this way that would get him two years in prison yeah um but i don't feel it's like i'm not sitting there watching it thinking this is season one rimmer which is what he's supposed to be yeah so yeah, I don't think it quite um, hits the season one rimmer. Yeah, I, th- I feel in this one, it, they strike that weird balance of, like you say, I think in this episode more than the last two, I agree with Dan in the sense that this, yeah, this doesn't feel like season one rimmer. It's sort of a weird blend of the, the two halves, really. Like, I think there's the smatterings of the development or the, the character changes we do see, but then also there is that early stage you know he's a, he's he's very much that coward doesn't really get along with them that that sort of thing i mean that whole thing about him rejoining the crew you know with the five button control thing <laughs> yeah. which did make me laugh yeah. don't get me wrong that was very funny but i don't think series 7 rimmer would have been taken by that you know yeah that feels like a very early rimmer thing so no i don't dislike it but yeah it is the striking like a uh, it, to me at least they're striking like a weird balance like they're trying to do a bit of like later series rimmer but also trying to keep it early do you know what mm. i mean it's like a halfway house they're going for and sometimes i think it works and sometimes maybe not so much yeah in that scene where they're trying to persuade him i did like all the stuff with the buttons and uh how many buttons will i be in charge of and uh yeah and then i, d- I liked Crichton's line as well uh something like you know what they say sir if you have three good friends you're a rich man and he has only only poor people say that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That <laughs> yes, got a big yeah. laugh out of me. Oh, God, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and that's just after they've had to sort of tear Kachansky away from oh, trying yes, to rip of off Rimmer's clothes. Which, and then when yeah, she comes yeah. back around, she's like absolutely disgusted in herself. She's like, oh, no, <laughs> what was I doing? Yeah, which is the second yeah. time that's happened to Kachansky because it happened in the lift with uh, Lister the episode before. Yes. It might be the but first But you kind episode, of got the I'm feeling sure. there that she was like, oh, no, we, we shouldn't be doing this. But also that she didn't mind that like as in she didn't mind she's much more it disgusted the fact that it was rimmer she was going after this time than she was disgusted when she was after lister yeah because she would naturally fancy lister yeah um but this is an interesting one because we're in ar still we okay you don't know that the first time you watch it but we're still in ar which means the ar computer that you know there's no real um, sexual magnetism virus going around. There's none, no real virus oh, being so used. So they can, yeah. The computer is affecting her mind. And this thing is supposed to be gathering evidence by reading your natural reaction to situations at the same time that it's affecting your mind and affecting your natural reactions. Any real lawyer yeah. would just tear that to pieces and just say, you can't use this in a court of law. This is Good entrapment. This yeah. is pure entrapment, isn't it? Because if it can affect yeah. that part of your mind, it could just affect the entire way you're acting. Is it kind of like a um, a placebo in effect? Because her mind thinks she's taking it, her mind acts like she has taken it. It's a strong wow. placebo with that reaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a thought, you know, no, quite. this is, it makes the AR, we, I mean, we know the AR is supposed to be kind of, the captain's using it possibly to hide the fact that he's well, there Dennis are, the Donut Well, it's not just boy. AR, is it? It's AR combined with psychotropic drugs. So yeah, good point. That they're mm. mind altering. So maybe that makes them more susceptible to be to be. If, if you think you're taking something, you will act like you are taking it. Yeah, that could be fair. I mean, it's supposed to be a bent system because that's my impression at the end. Anyway, is that it's the captain didn't need to put him in the brig. He wants to. We'll get mm. we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of supposed to be a bent system, but it's just a thought that if it can affect your mind. It can't fairly read your mind. Yes. It's kind of like getting someone drunk and then getting them to say, I killed the person. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. That was a big tangent. (laughs) We love a tangent. Well, we love tangents. Yeah, we love tangents on this Um, show. Rimmer is uh, doing his whole, oh, I want to be an officer, a man of honor type thing as well. Um, And there's a whole, like, Lister's pointing out that officers aren't men of honor, which... Isn't Kachansky technically an officer? That's oh, yeah. um, a little bit there. He's insulting the woman that's standing right behind him that he has a crush on. That's not a not a good way to go about uh, winning her over. Who I, he's got a crush on, and as we like to point out, is his mum. 
Mm, yes. Yeah. yeah. A little awkward. Yeah. Very. Se- very several. Hard. Several questions. I've but, just seen yeah. Back to the Future the musical um, the other day, and uh, the, <laughs> I've had enough of uh, mums people fancying their own relatives in that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. if it is accidental. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Although there is a big argument to say is. Is she his mum, or is Lister just a pure clone of himself? Mm. Otherwise, he'd look like a mixture of the both. Mm. Although maybe he wants, maybe he is a mixture of the both, and there's no original version of Lister. I don't know. It goes round in a circle. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, it does Ouroboros. Yeah, it's that's um, a, that's a horrible sort of brain teaser, isn't it? To go round and round. <laughs> yeah, it's not a pleasant. But one. while anyway, while Rimmer is talking about uh, officers as well, he talks about you know. The, the initiation rituals and basically like the horrible things that you make they make you do when you join these things and basically they bully they would bully him but he talks about it fondly um mm. and it made me think oh it's kind of very similar to how his brothers treated him uh, and how he's always referenced his brothers treated him and his reaction to it is very similar to how he reacts when he reminisces fondly about his brothers basically torturing him is a kind of a it, it's something I hadn't noticed before, but there's a there's a link mm. there to he clearly like you know likes if they're in a some kind of authority figure he doesn't mind being treated like crap by them I guess yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. pick up on that but yeah you can step on me if it's going to help me get up the ladder yeah <laughs> yes. basically, yeah. basically yeah like yeah. the um what's it he says something like. They once buried a live mine in my sandpit or something, and you know, how did they know it was going to go off? I do, I do love as well. I think we're around this point where, at, you know, at first they think they're out of the AR, and then I, I wrote down when we when we see they've gone to Blue Midget again, uh, the real ground controller. Um, I I've I love this character. You know, the <laughs> yes. the older woman. I yeah, I loved her. Please state your name and clearance code. Reality sucks. Your name's reality sucks. <laughs> One second, Mr. Sucks. Loved it to pieces. Wish we had more of her. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I thought she was fun. We need more of a, a few more mum type characters on the show, perhaps. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, she was good. She was good. There was a nice um, nice subversion for Cat as well, seeing his reaction. Although I did write everything. down, it was ridiculously easy to escape in a in a in the uh blue midget yeah it may and it, it sort of again further renders the whole dancing earlier a bit moot doesn't it because it's like he didn't have to do it again he just got in it and then charged just ran to, yeah <laughs> but so then think, again okay. they are still in ar so they, yeah, i guess something we actually I forgot guess. to mention though uh what's your guy what's your reactions to the different blue midgets it's completely different to the one shown in the earlier shows yeah mm. I mean, I for me, I thought it was again. Obviously, it's been I can't remember the last time a blue midget appeared before this point. Must be well, show, yeah. at least a few uh, seasons ago. Hang yeah. on, hang on, I've got it written down somewhere because I am that man. No, no, always good to have that Body man swap, around. Season three, episode four. Was it that? Oh, wow. When they do the chase God. and uh, Rimmer in Lister's body crashes and pretends to have ripped his arm off. Wow! Uh, oh, right. So one okay. ship's yeah. chasing the other. See. I didn't. It didn't bother me, and there is a bigger ship change in this whole series with Red Dwarf itself. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, and there is an implot reason for that. They they mentioned that Red Dwarf has been built to its re- reformed to its original specification, and not the not what it was before before that or before the cutbacks. So it's longer, it's thin, it doesn't have that big rock on the bottom. Um, so I'm I'm just kind of lumping Blue Midget in with that. These are what Blue Midgets would have been had. They stuck with the original budget for Red Dwarf, the in-universe budget for building the ship. Um, now you guys are reading Infinity Welcome's Careful Drivers. Did you see the link to mm, the taxi? No. His space hopper taxis that he starts off with that jump across whatever. I can't remember if it's Jupiter or one of the planets. Yeah. And these things have got these big legs that can run around or hop. Oh, that's no, I completely forgot about that in the novel i figured i remember the taxis but i couldn't remember they had legs yeah i mean i've I've not seen it quoted by doug naylor or anything but to my mind this is pretty much the taxi Uh, yeah i could be wrong yeah i i kind of like how i mean i know at this point the late 90s everyone's embracing cgi and i mean me and phil have said like i think we both prefer uh on model work on the show you know but i guess if 
the way they have done Blue Midget, I know we, we sort of trashed the earlier CGI, but I guess, you know, in the context of the time, it, I guess it, it's fine for what it is. I didn't, I wasn't thinking, oh, wow, that, you know, they've absolutely trashed Blue Midget and it's a horrible design. I just thought, yeah, it's different, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to try and give it a I pass. I kind of half go with it because they needed a much, much bigger cockpit than the old Blue Midgets. Because um, oh, they had, yes. you know, you've now got what five of them plus Holly on a screen to fit in, so yeah. they needed a redesign, an excuse for a redesign of that. Um, but the CGI thing, like the whole Red Dwarf ship, is done in CGI and looks, let's be honest, naff. It's nineteen ninety nine. Well, actually, I see there was one panning shot when it kind of went over the top of them, and I remember thinking, well, actually, in this shot, it doesn't look too bad. Um, but. I don't know. I was watching it on a phone, so small screen. But the weird thing is, they did build a physical model. Ah, they yeah. built, and it's it's enormous. So I've seen one thing say they couldn't use it because it was so big, it was too hard to film. I've seen another thing say that um, they didn't think it was good enough, which I think is rubbish. But <laughs> that model later got chopped. The middle part got chopped out, and it's what's used in season ten onwards. Oh right, and that right, looks superb, okay. season ten onwards, because it's oh, not I can't CGI. Wait till we get there, then. So. <laughs> but also, gotcha. just to yeah. make it worse, <laughs> and really sort of drive hmm. the point home, in season ten, the last episode, there's a blue midget, which is not CGI. It's a physical model, and it doesn't half look good compared to season eight. Mm. So yeah, I get why the blue midgets here are obviously CGI. You couldn't have done the dancing. Oh no, no. Otherwise, with a model. Um, mm. But yeah, I I think the even though I didn't, I thought actually that doesn't look too bad when it did the panning shot over Red Dwarf. It, the, there's no need for that to be CGI. That could have been a model. My my um, impression is because it doesn't need to do any big movements. My impression is they couldn't do the 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 miniature. Uh, so they couldn't film the miniature model for Red Dwarf because it would have made Blue Midget dancing look stupid. Because it would have been such a quality <laughs> difference. So I think yeah. they just went CGI everything. It's cheaper, and then no nothing sticks out as bad quality. Yeah. So I think maybe the dance yeah. influenced the entire look of the space scenes through the whole season. <laughs> influenced by the uh, influenced by the dance, who would have thought it? <laughs> as far as I know, the only real model, the only miniature in it, is the crashed Starbug when it explodes. Um, that the hangar right, okay. is a oh is yes a, is yeah, an actual model. Yeah. Mm, okay. I suppose an explosion in CGI in 1998 is going to look like yeah. it's going to look like Goldeneye, isn't it, on uh, N64? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a throwback and a half. Yeah. Um, the there's a scene, another jo- Holly joke in the thing. Well, Holly kind of saves this joke, I think. There's there's a thing about the theory of relativity, and I was I was watching them, and it kind of felt really laboured. This whole theory where they were setting up the oh, do you know what the theory of relativity is? Uh, and it just felt really laboured. And they ask Holly, and Norman Lovett's kind of just whole personality kind of saves it at the end. But before he comes on, it, I don't know if anybody else felt this, but it was just, I was like, where are they going with this? What, what, what are they? This is not funny. and It just feels like it's taking forever to not do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, particularly is, I think what sort of spoils that bit is not, the joke necessarily uh, i like the it's like you only tell your relatives that's quite fun but it's the fact that relativity relativity had no influence on the scene if mm. it was they're, far, they're they're going so fast that the laws of gravity and laws of relativity are actually starting to apply to blue midget then it would have some relevance but as it is they just sort of bring up relativity for some reason yeah it's one of those things i think there's there's a small i think there's a handful of instances where I think they've done similar things before, like you say, Dan, where they'll just bring up a topic for not much rhyme or reason, and sometimes they salvage it and sometimes they don't. But yeah, on the whole, this whole rel- it didn't really click with me, this whole bit. And Norman Lovett, yeah, did lift it a little bit towards the end. But yeah, again, like we've said, I think a few times with this episode, it I just kind of wish they'd focus more on, you know, what's actually happening or progressing that rather than more like little sidesteps i guess yeah i think so. yeah i think i think part of the problem is i can't remember myself what relativity is <laughs> me i was awful at is that the one where school, so as yeah. you hit light it goes towards light speed time slows down around you or is it the the one about how energy 
can never be destroyed. I can't remember. Any any anyone who was good at science, can you let us yeah. know in the comments, please? In, we need a yeah, read. In a it. short YouTube comment, can you please explore? Yeah, yeah, a short YouTube comment. Please. Yeah. Oh, I get novels. Uh, yeah, let's keep them short, yeah. people. <laughs> um, we also find out that Holly is the one that resurrected, chose to resurrect the crew. She uh, he um, kind of come created new nanobots specifically to resurrect the crew, and. It's kind of backfired and he's, he's been outsmarted by... He, here's the thing I don't get. If he resurrected the crew, why did he resurrect a new version of himself as well? Uh, <laughs> like, you should have just left that one out. <laughs> it, it, I mean... It's the word creative that throws that off, isn't it? If he said, I reprogrammed the nanobots yeah. to do... You know, don't just, don't just make me a new Red Dwarf, make me the people as well. That might have made more sense. But to, to say he created nanobots... Then what was this whole thing of trying to find them in the sock drawer and all that? Mm. Yeah, I don't know if that's a bit of a mistake or not. Um, it's a funny word to have used. Yeah. And the uh, the new Red Dwarf version of Holly has a cone head for some reason, presumably to just to show he's smarter and actually has an IQ <laughs> of 6,000. But uh, that seemed a bit like the original Holly before he went senile, didn't have a cone head. We could put nope. that down to the ship being the upgraded ship. So maybe he's got 12,000 IQ. And maybe, can't fit yeah, it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, on it, it, we're, we're clutching at straws. It's just so that you could see on screen which Holly was talking, isn't it? Yeah. That's the yeah, only reason so. for it. Yeah, that's true. They do get, they get, they find out they're in AR still. They work that out. They come out and they think they got another plan because they got the luck virus. They're going to take the luck virus and that's going to solve all their problems because they'll luckily get out of the situation. But Captain Hollister comes in and takes it away and then says <laughs> when he, they managed to squirrel away the sexual magnetism virus before he sees that they've got that and they say, oh no, we lost that. Sorry. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I love the captain's response to that. It's like, oh, I really wanted that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just like like most men, it seems on Red Dwarf. He's just a little bit desperate. Yeah, but he's got the luck virus in his hand now. Surely you just take a dose of the luck mm. virus, and you'd be lucky enough to run into a woman who fancies you. And you'd think you just think take the so. luck virus. Surely <laughs> it's going to do the same job. Mm. Yeah, you're going to luckily run into someone who fancies you, and you know you'll get lucky. Well, the the luck virus seems to cure the sexual magnetism virus when it's taken. So. It's almost as like, hey, you you may think you're getting lucky, but actually the long-term consequences of this are going to be unlucky, so we're going to stop you doing it. Yeah? Yeah. I assume. <laughs> uh, if you're not oh, taking man. precautions, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I did write down, um, because I was sad enough to go back and check on um, In Quarantined, when they first find those viruses, there was also inspiration and charisma. But we never get any mention of those. No, no, that's true. I guess they're no. still on the wreckage of the original Starbucks. Or one of them drank them all. Yeah. <laughs> More like Maybe Rimmer took yeah. them trying to, you know, solve some problem that he couldn't get to or something. Maybe the original Rimmer took them with him when he was uh, went off to be Ace. Because, you know, you're going to need some charisma that would as Ace Rimmer. You know, that would explain how he was able to do the job. Mm. Inspiration and charisma. You, you, you might have struck gold there. Uh, we find out, though, that the... The whole situation they've been through, they are, has actually proven them innocent of the original charges, but they've implemented themselves in different charges. Um, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, that kind of basically Captain Hollister just wanted them locked up and we'll just find any reason to do it. That was my feeling, yeah. I think that, I think yeah. maybe the um, personnel files would reveal that he's uh, uh, Dennis the Donut Boy. Ah, <laughs> so it's actually a couple. It up. could be. It could be. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Highly likely, highly likely, guys, highly likely. Um, and then we get the final gag uh, where we get the guy, uh, they're in the tank. The guy comes the out tank. and says, welcome to the tank. That guy looks very familiar. Um, and I looked him up and he's just been in lots of movies. He's dwelling. Basically. Yeah, he's dwelling from the uh, Hobbit series. Yeah, he's in the Hobbit. He's, That's he's what been I in loads from. of like Hollywood movies. I thought the tank set was very impressive and also very ominous. It's like they're treating this as like, you know, the worst place in the world. And it made me think, well, I mean, as you say, we're coming to the... I'll let you talk about the ending gag first. But yeah, I, I don't know. I quite like the the setting they're going for with the tank or the vibe they're going for. 
Yes, the ending gag is that Lister sneaks up behind Rimmer as they're in this, they're surrounded by these other inmates with this imposing guy sort of coming down on them and going like, welcome to the tank, and just puts a little drop of the sexual magnetism virus on him. Um, And then all of the other inmates around them, the tough looking kind of (laughs) with tattoos and piercings everywhere, suddenly start to look towards... Uh, towards uh, Rimmer and in a kind of uh, interesting way. Uh, it's heavily which... implied, isn't it? That it's yeah, it's yeah. prison rape. It's what yeah. they're heavily yeah. implying. We can dance around it, but let's just say it. That's what they're implying. Yeah, I I've got to be honest. Like the ending, like as you said, Dan. Like it's very obvious what they're going for, and I don't know. I was just like, did we really need to close it off? Like the I don't know. Did it, Left a tiny bit of a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, I know we're also not... I mean, this is Red Dwarf. It's a comedy. The The yeah. world doesn't always make sense. But just the logic also, I was trying to work out like, okay, every other time this sexual magnetism thing has been used, it hasn't made anybody attracted. Like, it hasn't made the other men attracted to the person taking it. So are we to assume that every single one of those inmates was gay? Or I think we had bisexual. to, otherwise Lister would have started groping him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah I so they so. must already have a have a um, predication that way to uh, for that to work. So it just kind of works on anybody that might potentially fancy you. It's this awkward thing. I mean, we sort of said off air, do we want to discuss this or not? Because it's such a, it's a spicy little subject, mm. isn't it? It is. But it's, it's that... You have to go back to um, quarantine and hear how they describe these. It's just increasing your sexual magnetism, I suppose. Um, which I suppose is the equivalent to, you could argue, it's getting ready for a night out, putting on nice clothes, putting on aftershave. Is that increasing your sexual magnetism? Obviously, this is doing it in a whole different league. But it's mm. just, inc- should it be increasing what you already have? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, this is, I mean, you, there could probably be a whole three-part podcast just on the morality of using <laughs> uh, the sexual magnetism virus. We're not that podcast, so we're gonna, on, <laughs> we'll leave it there. On the positive, though, it does answer the question from the first episode. Yes, it does, because it links, mm. yeah, because they start the very first episode, don't they, with him going, you poured something on me. Or, An entire tube of it. An entire tube of it, that was yeah. it. And that's why he's not talking to him in that very first scene. And now we know yeah. what the tube was. Yeah, now we yeah, do. I mean, now we know. And it makes me think, just before we do our regular segments, it made me, th- and no spoilers, of course, gents, as a, as a first-time mm. viewer, but in my head now I'm thinking, are we going to spend the rest of Series 8 in the tank? You know, is it going to be like a Series 6 uh, situation where, you know, they're not on Red Dwarf? I personally, like, if, if, it, if that is the case, if we are going to be mainly in the tank, I think I'd be down with that, like, as a concept, depending on like what stories they tell with it but then you know they could also get out in the next episode i'm intrigued to see how long they're here for basically and again no spoilers because i'd like to find out as i go but yeah i'm curious yeah well, i think you've been spoon-fed yeah. the sort of positives already like it gets back to the yeah. kind of bunk room thing of lister rimmer which has got to be mm, the most yeah. positive thing because that's a, a great core element of the show Absolutely. Uh, before we wrap up, I did just remember think of one more thing about that whole vial of uh, thing being poured on uh, Rimmer. They he says as he does in that first episode, a whole vial of it or a whole tube of it. That means they've got none left. Yeah. Which you'd think like that. I mean, I know. Uh, again, I'm thinking far too logically about a comedy sci-fi, but. You'd think they'd want to keep hold of it in case it was actually useful for getting out of prison at some point. <laughs> Rather than using it on a prank. But yeah, although well, I think when you do watch it, he only pours about half it on because I think he bothers to put the lid back on. Okay. And he hasn't got eyes on the back of his head, so he's just going to say, a whole tube. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that, that works. That works. But um, something we didn't touch on, which I kind of wrote down. Did anyone else get strong Inception vibes? Oh, a dream within a dream. AR within AR, yeah. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It didn't occur to me at the time, but now you mention it, yeah. It's a dream within um, a dream. I mean, Christopher Nolan's just stolen this, stolen Inception out of here, hasn't he? <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> no is just Lister. Thing... 
Yeah, no such thing as an original idea, as they say. So what we usually do on this show is we have a couple of regular segments. We pick our favourite character from the episode and then our funniest moment of the episode. Um, and then we give it a mark out of 10. So starting with favourite character, Dan, do you have a, a favourite? Who was your favourite? It could be for any reason. It could just be because it could be because they were the funniest, but it could also be because of a heartwarming moment. It could just be that you, you liked the way they acted the parts. Any particular reason doesn't matter. I kind of feel it has to be the cat because he's the only one that gets a solo moment, really. Um, yeah. I don't really want it to be. I don't really feel like it was a moment <laughs> I loved. Although the dancing's great, don't get me wrong. Um, a second pick would have been uh, Captain Hollister because I quite like that joke he did about, you know, Dennis the Donut Boy. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the characters were completely absent. I mean, what did Crichton do in this episode? <laughs> yeah. So I mm. think... It has to be the cat because he's the only one that gets that moment. But I, I think I might, I could take the captain as well. What about you, Adam? Uh, my favourite character. Oh, it's got to be the second flight controller, and I'm not even. Sorry <laughs> oh about yes, that. yeah, good pick. I'm not even sorry. But as soon as I saw her, I was like, "You're going to be my favourite character," and she was. So yeah, and I looked in the credit. I don't. She doesn't actually get a name. Sadly, she's just listed as like second flight controller or ground controller. But yes, she is my favourite. Excellent. Um, I, yeah, I really struggled to pick someone out of this one because nobody really has any like individual. I think I'm going to go for Captain Hollister because there were a couple of different moments that I laughed out loud at the things he was saying. And I do love his personality as well. The kind of like and, and it makes so much sense that he's actually uh, Dennis the Donut Boy or whatever his name was, because he's very incompetent at his job most of the time um, and kind of bumbles kind of bumbles his way through being a captain and it's hilarious to watch most of the time and the actor does a, a really good job with that um so i'm going to give that to him this time uh, what about funniest mm. moments what what made you laugh uh the most in this episode Dan? Uh, i nearly gave it to and we forgot to mention it earlier um there's that it's really lame and it's a really stupid joke but it just tickled me the bit where they say you know um Ground control, this is uh, Major Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Yes. It's such yeah. a daft, obvious joke, but it did make me chuckle. But I think I'd, I've got to give it to the opening part with uh, Lister Rimmer. I just love those conversations. For me, um, it's for me this time. It's uh, it's one of the gags. It's it's Dennis the Donut Boy. Ah, uh, um, yeah. That just got a laugh out of me like no, nothing else. I think it was mainly uh, the way he delivered it. It's sickening. It's unforgivable but it's a technique that can work. I should know, I use the same method myself to become captain. <laughs> if the crew discover I'm really just Dennis the Donut Boy, I'm finished. It was almost almost said very quickly and very nonchalant, but obviously it has the most severe implications. Like it says, if they find out I'm just Dennis the Donut Boy, I'm finished. Like it just really made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's gonna have to be that gag for me. What about you, Phil? Mine's also a Captain Hollister moment, but a different one. It's the... Damn it, Rimmer! I wanted that. I mean, the lab boys wanted it to uh, test it too. Yeah. When he he realizes he's not going to get his hands on the sexual magnetism virus, Um, that did make me like literally laugh out loud. Um, And I wasn't expecting it. It kind of came out of nowhere. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that was my uh, that was my funniest moment. Uh, What about marks out of ten, Dan? Uh, or scutters we like to yeah yeah award scutters out of 10 can i be harsh yeah it's harsh i'm thinking like in isolation like a four okay oh, as wow. part of the trio as part of the opening three i could push it up to like a six or a seven i quite okay. like the opening okay. three as a whole on its own though i can't think of any reason i'd just switch on part three well yeah, yeah that is the difficulty of just reviewing a one episode yeah um whereas like but, but nanarchy if you know a few episodes back i could watch that on its own and that's part of a two-part yeah 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 it kind of is i suppose it has its own story though whereas this True. is still True. very much three one story in three parts but yeah I, I know what you mean what about you adam um i debated for a while i try and go with my gut because i feel your gut often gives you the most honest response so i'm gonna go with that i'm gonna give this a seven out of ten um you know it's it's like we've said a lot of it does a lot of the stuff in it whilst entertaining or whilst funny or whatever does as we've said in the grander scheme of the story is a lot of like padding is a lot of just extra stuff 
Um, thankfully, it's Red Dwarf, so a lot of that extra stuff is is good or is funny, whereas in a lot of other shows, it would just fall flat. But yeah, kind of a... I don't want to say a disappointing resolution because I am curious as to where we're going next, like I said, with the whole being in the tank and stuff like that. But I don't know, maybe not as uh, impactful at the minute as I thought it would be. So, yeah, solid seven for me. What about you, Phil? I uh, kind of felt like in terms of looking at the three parts, I really enjoyed the first part, actually. And I think I gave that a nine out of ten. And then the second part, I gave a seven out of ten. And my feelings of this one are that I liked it more than the second part, wow. but a lot less than the first part. So right. I think I'm going to give it a 7.5. It's just, I think I slightly more enjoyed it. Although interestingly, like go, us talking about it has made me like go, oh yeah, there, yeah, there's quite a lot of flaws in it. <laughs> but but my general feeling while watching it was that, oh, I, I, th- I think I'm enjoying this overall more than I did the last episode. So yeah. I think I have to give it more than I gave that We've one, slightly dissected the was... frog, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good term for it. Yeah, no, we have. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a 7.5. You guys have scored way higher than me. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I think we're fairly easy on our scores quite a lot mm. of the time. I think the lowest, what's the lowest we've given? The lowest, lowest episode we've scored is Body Swap. And I can't remember. I think I might have given that a five. Or maybe yeah. a six. I can't remember. But yeah, it takes quite a bit for me to give a, a low score in anything. If I'm generally entertained, then then you've done well. You know, you've got at least a solid score out of me there, or a decent score. But yeah, no, I mean, I guess it it's been good for me in a way. It means I'm I'm enjoying my time with this show as I'm going through it for the first time. <laughs> Could you imagine if all my scores were like under five? It probably wouldn't be a good indication. But, I'm pretty yeah. sure if we'd like got like three series in and they'd all been under five, you'd been like. Phil, can we just can, can we, we just, just stop not do this, do this yeah. now? Can yeah, we not do fair, this podcast fair. anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah. so luckily that didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, and I did score the same as you as part of the whole as a trio. And as I yes. mentioned at the beginning, yeah. I love the fact that it returned to free camera uh, to, to multi camera in front of an audience. Um, yeah, it definitely helped the timing of jokes. Absolutely, compared to season yeah. seven before. Um, that's got some. Yeah, because one thing I'd been saying quite a lot about series seven is that. I really enjoyed the episodes as adventure sci-fi dramas, but they weren't as funny as previous series had been. So that makes it and makes a lot more sense. I still enjoyed them, yeah. but as something different. Yeah, they definitely got more yeah. of a how do you describe it? Well, as you say, pushing towards sci-fi rather than away uh, and away from comedy. Yeah. Well, there we go. That is Back in the Red Part 3. We are now firmly in to Series 8. We'll continue this next week with the next episode. And uh, thank you, Dan, for coming on. Uh, Do you want to plug anything you want to plug? Where can people find you online and and things like that? Red Dwarf, it's just uh, youtube.com forward slash Red Dwarf Nerd. Excellent. And you've got a Twitter account as well. Have you? Do you you want to plug that? I'd love to, but I ain't got a clue what it is. (laughs) Do you want me me to look it up? I I think it's at Dan Reed Videos, but I might be wrong on that. Uh, I primarily use that for the guitar, but people can go there as well. Yeah, well, we'll leave the links to all of these in the description. Probably for the best. In the YouTube video. So you can just go click it there. That's fine. Uh, Adam, plug your stuff. So on YouTube, it's Adam Martin, Martin with a Y. I, I do videos on all sorts, really, just whatever I'm interested in. A lot of pop culture stuff, a lot to do with British TV, Doctor Who, things like that. And uh, on Twitter, it's Adam Martin AMTV, where you can follow me for all of my various ramblings. But what about you, Phil? Um, my YouTube channel is just my name, Philip Hawkins, where you can watch the video in inverted commas version of this podcast it's just a squiggly line going up and down with um some <laughs> cartoon versions of me and adam next to it um but if you if you want something on screen do that and then, and you can comment in the comment section and i also do videos on doctor who and all sorts of other geeky pop culture things um and i've you know how i've been talking since this podcast began and in fact just generally saying for the last several years that i need to change my twitter handle i've finally done it <laughs> I finally yeah. done oh, it. It's I mean, no longer yes. the thing that I, nobody knows how to spell. Perhaps this is what I need it to do. Ne- <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I had something before that was basically, it had a silent I in it. Everybody thought, because of fonts online, that everybody thought the I was an L. And so I finally changed it. And I'm now at Culture Filter. I still have to do a bit of explaining. Nice. Because Filter Very is spelled good. with a PH because my name is Phil. 
Right. So yes. it's a bit of it's a bit very of work good, play. very clever. Uh, so you can now find me there on Twitter. Um, and of course, we've got the uh, podcast Twitter account, which is at All Dead Dave Pod. You can also buy merch with that aforementioned cartoons of me and Adam on, if you want as well. Oh, you got merch. Store, the link. You You're do. far more organised uh, than me. We got, we got mugs. We've got uh, we got t-shirts. We've got masks for these COVID times um, and all sorts. Uh, so the links for all those will be in the description of the uh, YouTube version of the podcast. I got a t-shirt and a mug done for my guitar channel. A t-shirt oh, cool. and a mug. The only ones in existence. <laughs> I have them. That's how far I got with merch. So far, I believe only two mugs have been sold. And and one of those purchases was me for uh, when I bought Adam one for Christmas. So. Yes. But it's a damn good mug. Yes. Hey, that's uh, so what matters at the go, end of the day. Yeah, I still haven't bought myself one. I need to get around to that. Yeah, but do go check that out. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. See you then. See you. See you later.